At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. We have interviews today coming up with Steelers receiver Juju Smith-Schuster and current NBC Sports analyst, former Saints and Chargers quarterback, first ballot Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. So, Shereen and I don't have much to do live today, just about a half hour with us and then a half hour with those two interviews. So, I will say quickly, hello, good afternoon, Shereen. How are you? I'm good, Mike. The scoop of the day, and I can't wait for you to talk to Miles Simmons tomorrow, is he watches General Hospital, we found out this week, Mike. So I'm not sure if I'm more stunned that General Hospital's still on or Miles watches General Hospital. He has been watching General Hospital for 11 years. That is his method for getting away from football, and he will regret for the next 11 years, if not longer, ever letting us know that he watches General Hospital every damn day. He watches General Hospital. So, (laughs) yes, I look forward to talking to Miles Simmons about that. All right, uh, let's get to it. What you need to know today begins, oh, wait, it's like Groundhog Day. It's every day. It's Aaron Rodgers' day because the hijacking of the draft has continued for now the seventh day. And a couple of items emerged today, Shereen. Let's start with, Bob McGinn of The Athletic, when he's not talking to anonymous scouts to harvest negative information about draft picks, he's getting some good information about the things Aaron Rodgers may or may not be doing. And according to McGinn, Rodgers has mocked general manager Brian Gutekunst, or as Favre called him on his podcast, Gutenhurst, which I actually like better. He has mocked Gutekunst and called him Jerry Krause, which I would assume in the general manager industry is the equivalent of being called something that can't be repeated in any setting, even satellite or cable. So uh, we have that new development as we learn more about the extent to which Aaron Rodgers really doesn't like Brian Gutekunst. Uh, He really, really doesn't like Brian Gutekunst. He doesn't like you, Mike. He doesn't like his family. He doesn't seem to like anyone. But he he really, really. He doesn't like you. But I think Brian Gutekunst. You just made the list. I did. And and Brett Favre's <laughs> been on the list and somehow has managed to get his way off the list. And I don't know how he quite does that. But Brian Gutekunst is probably first on that list right now, Mike, based on uh, what we what we read and heard today. It really is amazing how this stuff just keeps cascading. It keeps coming out. And I don't know where the leaks are coming from now. Originally, I think everything was coming from Rodgers or his camp. Now... Yeah. It could be selective leaks made by the team, made by people with the organization who aren't happy with this, or just teammates who have had enough of it. But it may not be Rodgers now, and I don't know that it helps Rodgers to leak that he mocks Gutekunst and calls him Jerry Krause. I don't know that that's a good look, and I don't know that's the kind of thing that's going to cause Packers fans to feel good about Aaron Rodgers. And that leads to the other report today, 
from Mike Garofolo of NFL Media that Favre actually warned prospective free agents, Packers players who were due to become free agents. Aaron Rodgers said that uh, that he's not going to be there in 2021. So whether it's David Bakhtiari, who stayed, Corey Lindsley, who left, Aaron Jones, who stayed, any of the prospective free agents, Aaron Rodgers was telling them, according to Garofolo, that he's not going to be there. To me, Shereen, that was stunning. Absolutely. You're dismantling your team or trying to, it seems like. Now, they got some of those guys to stay, but we know that money talks and, and the Packers gave them a lot of money to get them to stay. There's no question about that. But yeah, it's stunning that you would tell teammates, hey, I'm not going to be there. This team, basically what you're saying is this team may be in sort of a rebuild mode with a young quarterback who's unproven at this point because I'm the guy to lead you to the Super Bowl and I may not be there and I don't plan on being there. So this was stunning, Mike, no question. Yeah, and look, I, I, I'm trying to be so objective on this that I'm worried about things that I probably shouldn't worry about. I mean, Packers fans can judge this for themselves. I am not trying to stir the pot here. I always stir the pot generally if stirring the pot is the natural byproduct of being honest about what I see. What I see here, and I think I would believe this for any quarterback under any circumstance, regardless of what he's said about me in the past, regardless of how he feels about me, regardless of how I've criticized him, and I've praised him as a player. Just a few weeks ago, I was saying they should hire him on Jeopardy, that he would be great, and he was great as the host. I'm capable of being objective. And in this specific instance, my objective analysis is, if I'm a Packers fan, I am upset with the knowledge that Aaron Rodgers was actively undermining the best interests of the team, telling guys don't bother to resign, basically, even though that may have not have been the exact language. Look, what you should do at a minimum is say nothing, nothing, right? Right. Guys thinking about resigning. Oh, you know, I may not be here next year. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't try to sabotage what the team's trying to do and holding other players on the roster. Same thing that I felt about launching this crusade against the Packers on draft day. Distracting the front office, distracting Brian Gutekunst at a time when he should be completely and totally focused, as focused as all other general managers are, on the three days of the draft. Trade up, trade down. Who do I pick? What do I do? How do we read our board? How do we make these decisions in a compressed time frame? You don't need that crap hovering over your head. So if I'm a Packers fan, I'm getting more and more pissed off at Aaron Rodgers, Shereen. Yeah, and I heard last night at the Brewers game, there was a smattering of boos when they showed Aaron Rodgers even on the school, on the video board or something like that. But this is only going to grow for Packers fans. Uh, you know, and, and I think Aaron Rodgers was very concerned about that. I think he wanted his cake and to eat it too. He, he wants to leave. There's no question about that. I, mean, I think we can all agree on that. I think pa- Packers fans can even see that now. Aaron Rodgers wants to leave this team. He doesn't want to be back. But how does he do it gracefully? And I think it's past that point at this point, Mike. I think there's no graceful leaving for Aaron Rodgers. He turned off Packers fans and more and more keeps coming out every single day. And it's probably going to continue to come out. And it just makes Aaron Rodgers look worse and worse and worse as he plans his exit out of Green Bay. And something you pointed out yesterday when he first started this after they lost to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship, and we all reacted to it when he made the comment suggesting that his own future is uncertain. Two days later, he cleared it all up before it could become a thing. Now it continues to dominate the sport. Now you can't act like, I didn't know this was a big deal. Now 
If you want to put, wait for it, the toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder, now is the time. <laughs> well, it's already too late. It's already too late. That's the thing. Even if he would try now. And my understanding is he's told at least one teammate, I don't know what the big deal is. Well, okay. If you don't, there's something wrong with you because it is a big deal. You helped make it a big deal. Your camp helped make it a big deal. And there's been nothing to unmake it a big deal. I mean, the bottom line is he talked to Mike Tirico on Saturday. Wouldn't go on camera. That's fine. That's his prerogative. Boy, he went on camera with Twin Spires, but didn't talk about the Packers. But he wouldn't talk on camera with NBC about the Packers. But he said to Tirico on the record, enough to make Tirico believe and communicate that there's a fissure, there's a chasm between Rodgers and the front office. And he expressed regret, Rodgers did, or disappointment that it came out. But it's out. He didn't say it doesn't exist. He simply expressed regret that it came out. How big of a deal is this, Mike? Well, an MVP has never left the team the year after he won the MVP award and gone on to another team. We've had two retire the year after they won the award, but never a, a, an MVP go to a different team. So that's how big this is. This is huge. And you could squash this if you wanted. If Aaron Rodgers wanted this to end now, he says, hey, I'm happy with the, the Packers. Go on the Pat McAfee show. I'm, I'm happy with the Packers. I'm coming back. I'm going to win another MVP award, try to win the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. He hasn't done that. So we, we get where Aaron Rodgers is by his silence. He tells us where he is. And the fact is, he wants out of Green Bay. That much has become painfully obvious to Packers fans as well. Yeah, and uh, with each passing hour, it's becoming harder and harder for him to undo this. And I don't know that he wants to at this point. Again, when you're really smart, you get the benefit of the doubt that everything you've done is calculated and strategic. And uh, if it isn't, then he's not as smart as we all think. Brett Favre was on radio today with Wildey and Tausch, ESPN Radio. Here's Favre talking about a communication that he had with Aaron Rodgers regarding the situation. They were willing to trade me. It sounds like the Packers now are not willing to trade um, Aaron. You know, it's a tug of war. So it's it's similar but but also very different. Than my situation, I just sent Aaron a message and said, "Hey, am I going to see you playing for the Saints this year?" Just, just kind of joking. <laughs> uh, and he sent back, "Hey, buddy, uh, I don't believe that's going to happen." Uh, and I, and also in that text, I just said, "Hey, hope hope everything's okay." Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of messages from people asking me what's the deal, and he said, "Hey, thanks for checking on me. Uh, I'll touch base with you." Uh, after all this is over. After all this is over, which implies there is something there that needs to be over and will be over eventually. It's not, this is no big deal. It's not, don't believe what you read at profootballtalk.com. Don't waste your time reading that crap. He could have said anything he wanted in response to the Brett Favre text message. And the response was, I'll check in with you when this is all over. Further confirming that there's something there. And I, look, he's not going to play for the Saints because the Packers aren't going to trade him to the Saints. The Saints don't need him. The Saints can't afford him. The Packers don't want him in the conference. That doesn't mean he's not going to be traded. And uh, that's a separate issue altogether. But uh, clearly, as Favre has further confirmed by talking directly to Rodgers, there's something there. 
there is something there, Mike, and, and it's irreparable at this point. And it started back, we all know, with the Jordan Love selection. And I don't think they did a good job of communicating with Aaron Rodgers about what they intended to do, that they were going to trade up, that they were going to draft a quarterback. And they passed on a talented group of receivers by doing that. Now, if you look at their draft this year, they've helped their team. They had a really good draft by all accounts. But Aaron Rodgers may not be there this year to take advantage of the players that the Packers have given them in that draft. It may be Jordan Love's draft to use those players to try to go to a Super Bowl, go win a Super Bowl. So he may leave leave there with one Super Bowl, and it all started with the drafting of Jordan Love, and it just seemingly, Mike, has gone downhill from there. Rob Demosky of ESPN has reported that the Packers think the 49ers and the Broncos have tampered with Aaron Rodgers. And I would suspect, I don't think Domofsky explained it this way. My guess would be it was solicited tampering by Rogers camp, trying to generate a trade market, getting the word out that there's reason to call. Remember last week when the 49ers made that call Wednesday night, Kyle Shanahan told Rich Eisen earlier this week, he didn't want to wake up Friday morning and find out that Aaron Rodgers had been traded to someone else. He had reason to believe that there was reason to call. And I think that there were communications. And they can't be proven. The Packers aren't going to claim tampering. They're not going to have a smoking gun. GMs, front office executive coaches, they aren't stupid about this. And even when they are, the NFL arbitrarily and selectively enforces the tampering rules. But I suspect that Rodgers people have been making phone calls trying to get certain teams to contact the Packers. And if you do anything other than hang up the phone immediately and report that communication to the Packers, you violated the tampering rules. Well, you go back to 2008, Mike, and the Packers accused the Vikings of the exact same thing with Brett Favre and nothing led to it. So it is selective when the NFL chooses to enforce these. You pointed out the Jeremy Macklin one. Uh, with the Chiefs talking to Macklin when he was still under contract with the Eagles. I think that's probably the last time that any team uh, suffered consequences from tampering with the player. We know it goes on all the time, and it probably did happen in this case, no question. Now, whether it was Rodgers Camp calling these teams or these teams calling Rodgers Camp, however that worked out, I'm sure there was probably some communication. Otherwise, how would the 49ers know to pick up the phone and call on Wednesday night and say, hey, just in case you're considering trading Aaron Rodgers, dot, dot, dot. So I do believe there was some conversation there, Mike. And, you know, even though the Packers may not be able to prove that there was a smoking gun, that there was some sort of communication, there's been enough said publicly by GM John Lynch and by Shanahan. I mentioned the comment that he made to Rich Eisen the other day that would at least make it plausible if the Packers wanted to make tampering charges and have an investigation launched. And that's why it's always smart to say we don't talk about players who are under contract with other teams, period. Then you avoid that problem altogether. Speaking of the 49ers, the problem they now have is they're trying to muster a trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy they decided they didn't want anymore. Thus, they gave up three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get ultimately Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Jed York, owner of the 49ers, a.k.a. guy who can't be fired because, as he said once, you can't fire the owner, talking about NBC Sports or talking with NBC Sports Bay Area about the 49ers quarterback situation. Here's Jed York. We are in a situation where Jimmy goes out and takes us to the Super Bowl again and, and has an MVP caliber season. There, there are worse dilemmas to be in. 
and Jimmy certainly has the ability to do that. I think Kyle's talked about that all along and knowing it's the most important position in sports. And it's great to have a guy that you, you do believe in that, that has gotten you to a Super Bowl. So you don't have to put the weight of the world on a rookie, whoever it was that we were going to choose. Now that we know that Trey is here, you, you don't have to put the weight of the world on that kid's shoulders and he can grow into that position. If you invest 25 or $50 million into your rookie to get them ready, then, I mean, to me, like we're, we're investing in the long-term future of our team. You know, this Sunday, he turns 21. If he doesn't play until he's 23, you know, but he's got a 15-plus year career, I mean, you know, there were rumors about a guy, and obviously Kyle talked about trading for Aaron. How long did Aaron sit? Two, three years before he played? And, and again, I want to make sure that we do everything that we can to make sure that that position is the best it can possibly be in the NFL. We're trying to build out a team that can compete for a championship today and can compete for a championship over a period of time. And we'll make the best decisions, not where, well, you know, you, you trade it up and like this is the third pick and he has to play right now. Well, I mean, if, if he's the best player, then, then he would play. And if he's not ready to do it yet, we're not going to put that on his shoulders. Boy, Jed York completed the trifecta there by making a reference to Aaron Rodgers, player under contract with the Green Bay Packers. Yep. I think they need to have a seminar at the 49ers headquarters to make sure they understand where that bright line is and to stay away from it. But the bigger issue, this idea that they would let Garoppolo finish out his contract. He's got two years left. And when Jed York speaks of investing 25 or $50 million in getting Trey Lance ready, that means spending $50 million over the next two years to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around. I just have a hard time understanding how you justify giving up three first-round picks and a third-round pick for the guy that you just put on ice while you see whether or not the guy that you have can somehow stay healthy. Because it's not like it's an impossibility. It's basically a coin flip. They flipped it in 2018, can't stay healthy. Flipped it in 2019, stayed healthy. Flipped it in 2020, can't stay healthy. Odds are this year he stays healthy. And what if you do get to the Super Bowl despite Jimmy Garoppolo? Not because of him, but despite him. Despite the fact that he'll freak out Kyle Shanahan at some point. And Shanahan will turn him into Bob Greasy in the postseason, have him throw eight times in the NFC Championship. Despite the fact that he'll miss Emmanuel Sanders when he's open with the championship on the line. I just, I think you got to be more decisive. And, and, and look, maybe it's all puffery. Maybe it's all BS. Maybe they're just trying to pump this guy up so they can get at least a second-round pick back for him. I just choose not to buy it because I think if it's not an effort to get more out of Jimmy Garoppolo, they are asking for a major problem here by not being as decisive as they need to be, Shireen. Well, I, I see their thinking on this, Mike, because they do think they have a Super Bowl-caliber team. I get that. Only a couple years ago, they were in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy G was starting the Super Bowl. Trey Lance is not going to lead this team to the Super Bowl. He's a kid that started 17 games, and he started at the FCS level, so this is not a Power 5 quarterback with a ton of experience like, say, a Mac Jones or somebody else, who Kellen Mond, who maybe is more ready, having played in a Power 5 a conference for a long time with with a lot of starts so I, I get why they're doing this but yeah at some point you have to make that decision right and I've said all along I think the Packers timeline changed when Aaron Rodgers did what he did last year in winning the MVP award but they have put the weight of the world on Jimmy Garoppolo it's an MVP caliber season or a Super Bowl is basically what Jed York said to keep your job 
So at some point, all these teams have good intentions when they go and say, hey, our rookie is going to sit and we're just going to wait and see. We saw Tua come in and play last year. We saw Justin Herbert. Now his was a little different because of an injury, came in and played last year. They all want him to sit, but at some point you got to see what you have. So at the first misstep by Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance is going to get his opportunity. So Jimmy Garoppolo's got to go in. He's got to play well. And the 49ers have to win for him to keep his job. And at some point, you trade him. The question's going to be, Mike, say in training camp he looks great. Some starter goes down, a la Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota, and you have all of a sudden a first-round pick at your disposal. Do you move on from him at that point? I say yes. yes. You get rid yes. of him whenever uh, you can. I think, Shereen, I think that's what they're trying to set up. I think that this is all BS in an effort to build a market for Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't give up three ones and a three. And, to, and then just tuck the guy away for multiple years and say, well, we're fine with Jimmy Garoppolo. It doesn't make sense. Unless they've been completely screwed up by the fact that they could have had Patrick Mahomes and they could have had Tom Brady. And they said no to both. That could be the thing that is causing them to do something that just seems goofy and kooky and nutty and desperate. Let's take a break. Opening the mailbag when PFTPM continues right after this. Baker Mayfield needs something, Shireen, because as someone tweeted last night, to significant <laughs> approval on Twitter, the kind of tweet yeah. that I would be proud of, Baker Mayfield has more career commercials than he has career wins. Well, I'm already in Chris Sims' doghouse, so I better tread lightly here. And I was going to set up this show by saying I have a stomach bug, and no, it didn't come from eating a hamburger off the floor of LaGuardia. So now I'm probably even more, even more in his doghouse. You focus on one guy that you think can make you better, that can get you perhaps over the hunt. Hunt. Just, God, I sound like Sims now. Hump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Take that, Sims. USA. USA. Good stuff. All right, let's answer a couple questions real quick. We got Juju Smith-Schuster and Drew Brees coming up. Jake Pete wants to know, can we impeach J.C. Treader? Ouch. (laughs) But not ouch. Look, I've heard from people all day long about this. They're apoplectic that the NFLPA has been pushing guys to not show up for offseason workouts when so many of them don't understand, Shireen, that if you work out anywhere – away from the facility, even if you are doing it with the intention of getting yourself ready for football season, if it doesn't happen on team property and you get injured, you are S-O-L when it comes to your salary if the team chooses not to pay you. And guess where Patrick Mahomes is working out, Mike? He's here in Fort Worth right now working out. There were some, some videos of his workouts from yesterday. So a lot of these guys don't realize what they have at stake by not working out at the team facility. They just don't understand the rules. Now, if Patrick Mahomes would tear an Achilles tendon while working out on his own, I don't think the Chiefs would say we're not paying you. It's something that each individual has to consider, but every player needs to talk to his agent and find out what does it mean to me if I go down to Planet Fitness and drop a weight on my foot or pop an Achilles tendon, and everyone thinks it's not going to happen to you until it happens to you, and then you have to figure out how to clean up the mess. How about this one? Important question, Patty McGreedy. How do you think DK Metcalf is going to do in his race? Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, NBC, running in the 100. How do you think he'll do, Shireen? Well, I've covered seven Olympics, Mike, and seen almost every one of Usain Bolt's uh, victories. 
Uh, he, he's not going to fare well. This is going to be ugly, but guess what? I'm going to be watching. <laughs> hey, it gives us reason to tune in and see what happens on Mother's Day weekend. What goes down with DK Metcalf running the 100? And, uh, and still plenty of fast guys in the NFL and plenty of guys who, if they had chosen track and field, would be in the running for gold medals and uh, Olympics coming very, very soon on NBC. All right, here's what's coming next. Juju Smith-Schuster, Drew Brees. Not sure of the order, frankly. It's one or the other. But it'll be both over the course of the next half hour. Juju Smith-Schuster next here on PFTPM. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Joining us now, a man who has spent his entire NFL career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now entering year five. Four years ago, he was a second-round pick of the same Pittsburgh Steelers. Team MVP in 2018. Here he is, receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, welcome back. How are you, pal? I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for having me back, man. This is awesome. Pretty cool. And uh, I got to say thank you in advance to the folks at Charmin for making you available. We'll talk more coming up about what you have going on with them. But watching the draft this weekend and seeing the reactions and seeing the moments and the anticipation and the hope and everything that goes into it, what's the one thing that stands out for you? The one memory that you'll never forget from your draft experience? Uh, I got a phone call and it was, uh, it was my uh, postmates from McDonald's. It was outside, but it wasn't, it wasn't a team. And I got so hyped because, you know, on that, on that day, you, you tell your friends, you tell your family, hey, don't mess with me on, on this day. Like, you know, between this time and this time, like I'm expecting phone calls from a, you know, a team for a head coach, you know, owners. And I was so nervous. I was so hungry. I was like, man, before I go to NFL, like I'm going to have like one of my favorite meals from McDonald's. So, Order McDonald's. I get a phone call. I'm thinking like, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a coach, and I'm looking at the area code. I'm not familiar with it. It's it's we're in Laguna Beach or Newport Beach, and it's a number I'm not familiar with. And I answer. It's like, hey, food outside. You want me to bring it inside? <laughs> I'm just like, hello, coach. Oh my gosh! And that's probably the, that's probably one of the most funniest memories on my job day I can remember. Most people thought you weren't going to be back with the Steelers, apparently, including you. What made you think you weren't going to be a Steeler again? Um, just, just with everything that, that you know, with, with it going on, you know, you know, obviously, um, just leading up to it, you know, saying that, you know, I, I will, I will become a free agency before anybody knew. So I just knew that on my own, and I was just like, you know, hey, if, 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 if obviously it's business, you know, if they can't afford me, 
uh, at the moment. But then again, like if you look at the, the the cap salary, it was very very low this year. So um, it just came down to like last minute. You know, it, it really came down to a lot between picking between Pittsburgh, the Chiefs, and uh, Baltimore on where I wanted to go and where I fit best, you know, for a one-year deal. How far into the process? Because it took a week or so. When during that that period of time did the door open to stay in Pittsburgh when it seemed would, like it had been closed? Yeah, I would say, I would say that when I hit free agency, they wanted to see where I ended up at, just wanted to see where the market was at. Um, and it, it just goes off very slow. You know, receivers were kind of, were taking off, you know, slow, slowly like day two, day three, day four. And I was on a backhand, you know, on day four, day five, you know, waiting to see, um, you know, other teams his offer was, you know, 10, nine mil with incentives. And, you know, Pittsburgh was offering, uh, eight mil. And I was just like, well, honestly, like if it, if it came down to this, um, going, going back to know where I, you know, I know my quarterback, I know my receiver coach, I know my offense, I have the relationship, they know me, they know my body, and just betting on myself is, you know, something that I've looked at, you know, and I, and I don't regret it at all. And is the plan, let's give it a year, let's see what happens, and then next year, maybe things will be back to normal, the market will be back to normal, and the offers will be quicker, they'll be more reflective of my skills, and we just see what happens then. Yeah, man, to see, see what happened. I mean, if, if it's all willing plays out, you know, I would love to be a Steelers for the next four years. Um, that'll be a total of nine years, you know, playing for them. And um, the Steelers cap will be a lot higher. I think they're top five next year. So we'll see how that goes. Speaking of nine, I saw on your Twitter that you're at least pondering the possibility <laughs> yeah. of dropping the one and going with number nine. Uh, is that something you're seriously considering? And have they told you how much you, you would have to pay for all the unsold 19 Smith-Schuster jerseys? I, that's the thing, though. I think um, the biggest thing is that I'm markable 19 so well. But then again, like, all you need is a black Sharpie to just go over. <laughs> I mean, how hard is that? I mean, a Sharpie costs like 2 $3, you know? <laughs> what do you do with the road jersey, though? <laughs> Whiteout. <laughs> Black Sharpie are going to work on the road jersey. A whiteout does. A whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> white paint. There you go. White paint. So that's so we're sticking with nineteen. That's what you're saying. I'm sticking with nineteen, but if if it comes down to, I mean, Chris Boswell has nine. Uh, he, he he will for him for me for him to give that up for him for him to give that up. He's he's probably asking for a check. So I doubt it. I saw that's that a lot of players. I saw you said somewhere after you signed that the ranking was actually Steelers, then Chiefs, then Ravens, that the Chiefs were the second choice. How, how close did you come to being a member of the Chiefs? Very close, man. Um, you know, I got Andy Reid sending me uh, trophies of the Lombardi trophy and, 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 and um, talking to the coaches and everything. It, it's, you know, when you have an opportunity to play on an organization like that, you know, who, who you know they win, they 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 put numbers up, they perform. Uh, it was it was very close, you know. But I think I think more of uh, more story was um, I just feel more comfortable, you know, just being home. Bab, I already know like where I'm at, you know. Everything's already there. Um, knowing that I can play one more year with Ben and everything he's done for me, uh, you know, means a lot. And the loyalty is there too.
Do you think it is just one more year for Ben before he retires? I don't know. We'll see, man. Um, I feel like a lot of guys think, you know, hey, you got one more year, one more year, one more year. And one more year turns into two, three years and, you know, lay down the road. And if he's winning, if he, if I, if, if he stays, hopefully I stay, but, you know, you just never know. Hey, tell us what you have going on with Charmin. Yeah, so I partnered with Charmin. Uh, basically, you know, meetings like this are interviews all day, you know, constantly in meetings day in, day out. Charmin has created this thing called uh, BRB Bot. Uh, which basically you can tr activate the bot while you go use the bathroom you can, without being disrespectful or rude at all, which is amazing. And having a, obviously your time alone and, you know, getting away for an amount of time. And it's really cool, man. Uh, you know, just messing around with it myself and me being asked questions day in, day out and re repeat repetitively, I think it works out perfect. And, uh, it's a great way. It's a great way for the digital world, you know, with everything else happening, like Zoom calls and meetings and all that. So uh, it's really a, a great, great uh, tool for us in the future. So it's actually something you could use doing a call like this while you go take care of business. Yes. Prefer, look, to be honest, preferably more of a, of, of a meeting call. More people want to. The one-on-one -on -one is different because there's a lot of react, There's a lot of going back and forth on speaking. But if you were to set it as, you know, you can set it as personal and you can set it as business and more so you want to use it in, in, in a group setting call. Hey, before I let you run, I would be remiss to not ask you about the comment that you made before the playoff game against the Cleveland Browns when you said the Browns is the Browns. And how much do you think, honestly, that motivated them in that game? Probably a lot, honestly. I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it got to the point where you know the Cleveland Browns, you know, had a billboard up in Cleveland that's saying Browns is the Browns. You know, I, I think by me saying that, you know, it says that you know a lot of people care about what I say and my voice and my opinion. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I said what I said. I don't say anything back. You know, they did come out there, they did whoop our ass, and I'm not. And that's completely, um, you know that it is what it is. You know, we lost that game, you know, and it, we lost early in that game within the first, you know, five, 10 minutes, but we still fought. And I'll tell you one thing about our team. We still fought to the end. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't good enough, but um, I just know that our AFC North is probably the hardest, the hardest, hardest division right now to win. And guys like Joe Barrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Ben, and, and, and I think every team is getting to, getting to the point where we're like, man, they're really good. So, um, it is what it is. <laughs> was that an eye-opener for you, though? I mean, do you, do you – and maybe we all need to go through that part of our journey where we realize, holy crap, somebody's actually listening to me, reacting to me. I need to factor that in when I say things in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously I know what I'm saying. and I don't – you know, everything I say, I, I don't regret. You know, usually I, when, I, when I speak out of term, you know, it's – you know, I speak, you know, as what I say. So for the most part, I think anything I do on social media is a very, you know, people are, are willing to catch it, you know, with the response. For example, me doing quarterback Corvette, I get hit, you know, the ball's thrown to me uh, and I get hit, I get blown up, you know, people turn that into like the biggest news, you know, it's good media, you know, it, like I said, it is what it is. I, I got to take it as I said it, you know, um, but there's no regret. There's no regret at all. You know, you live, you learn and, you know, speaking into the future, you got to respect the teams, got to respect the teams low, got to respect the teams that I'm playing against. And 
like I said, our division's really hard this year, and I'd be surprised to see that we will have some great games. Hey, last one real quick. There's been a lot of talk about players showing up, not showing up for the workouts at the team facility. Where do you stand on that? How much, if any, are you going to be there for the voluntary offseason? Uh, for the most part, I'll, I'll be there. Um, you know, right now everything's just virtual and uh, Zoom and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right. Hey, J uh, Juju, we appreciate some of your time. We say uh, to you all the best. Congratulations on your success and uh, safe travels. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Joining us now, one of the all-time great quarterbacks in NFL history. Surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. He is Drew Brees. And by the way, Drew is joining the Lowe's home team as the GM, a group of current and former NFL players, Lowe's associates and nonprofit organizations coming together, to give back and help make homes better for all in communities around the country. Welcome to Drew. Drew, this is the first time I've talked to you since you've joined NBC. I'm surprised you joined NBC, despite the fact that I'm on the NBC team. I appreciate that very much. Mike, you've been good to me over the years, and I think you've just been honest. You've always told it how it is, and so I appreciate that. But uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with you and the entire NBC team. Hey, I was one of the first ones to peg you as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, you had a bunch of extra great years after that to validate my belief, but it, it's a no-brainer at this point. It's just a matter of time. First ballot, Drew's in. It's going to be the Peyton Manning, Mike Drock moment that they had earlier this year. So uh, congratulations on your great career, and it is great to have you with NBC. Um, you did make us wonder for a little bit, though, and I like that. I, you're in the media now. We can't complain about content. We were kind of wondering for a while – and then when you retired on the 15th anniversary of joining the Saints, it all made sense. But in between January and mid-March, was it percolating toward possibly one more run? No, I was retiring. Um, but it, it just kind of goes to show you, like, all, all that it was, you're referring to the workout video that was posted, yes. right? With yes. me pushing the sled. And so I didn't say a word, right? Uh, there's no audio or anything of me in any of that. It's just merely me pushing a sled, right? So isn't it amazing what what can what what can be interpreted from something just so simple, right? It didn't even involve me saying a word. Um, 
I actually got a big kick out of that. That was actually my trainer, Todd Durkin, who I've worked with for 18 years during my career. He posted that and then he texted me and he said, watch what this stirs up. (laughs) It was pretty funny, but no, um, no, listen, I knew I was retiring. I mean, it's been something I've been thinking about um, at this, at this stage in your career, you know, you know, and and I, I think it's, you really don't know what that feeling is going to be like. Right. I mean, you, you, you love the game. It's been such a big part of your life for so long. Um, you know, you, 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 you know, you can play it at a high level still. And, and you're obviously uh, trying to achieve a goal, which is to go win another championship. Um, at the same time, I think you also recognize the balance of life and, and the fact that, listen, I've got four, four kids that, are, that aren't so small anymore. You know, my oldest son, Balin, um, who was, you know, one year old when I'm holding him up at the Super Bowl is now going into seventh grade next year, you know, and so it's, you begin thinking about all these things. And I think maybe your, your football chapter of your life just kind of, you know, flashes before your eyes and, 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 and you have to, I think really give serious consideration each year to, to kind of reevaluate where, where you are and what your priorities are. And, um, you know, I felt like, I felt like the time was right, you know, 20 years in the NFL. I mean, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would have been able to play that long or accomplish what we were able to accomplish. Um, at the same time, I think, the opportunity to work with NBC and and be involved with both the college and the NFL game still fuels that passion a little bit, you know, for the game and, and that love of the game. And it's just, you know, redirected in a different way. Um, and then at the same time, it, it, it gives me the time with my family that, that I want and desire um, to be as big a part of their lives as I can, um, especially with sports, you know, all my, my boys love to play sports just like dad did when he was growing up. And it's, it's probably one of my greatest joys in life is, is to, is to watch my kids play ball. And when you are committed to being a, an NFL quarterback, you know, that consumes you, it not only just the time, but it consumes you here as well. And so, um, that's the balance, you know, at some point, you know, that becomes, the, the chapter in the past and you look forward to the chapter in the future, which for me is, is so much centered around my family. But all of this means that if you weren't training with the idea in mind of possibly playing football again this year, part of your normal training regimen is to push a sled like a madman. I mean, is this something you're going to keep doing? Is this how you stay in shape? Absolutely. Listen, first of all, that's to me, that's fun. Like that's just competition, right? Like I know this, I, I, I'm still going to Todd's gym. I'm still training with some of the NFL guys. And at the end of every workout, we always do some sort of a competition and it's different every day. That day, it just happened to be the sled and they were talking a bunch of bunch of trash. And so I said, all right, I'm just going to do something totally off the wall here that they're not expecting. Cause listen, they have the advantage over the, the old man here, you know, um, those young whippersnappers. So I had to do something that I thought maybe would, you know, push the envelope a little bit and surprise them and kind of pull one over on them. So instead of stopping at the normal stopping point with the sled, I went all the way to the street which is a bad idea, by the way, because that was downhill to the street, uphill on the way back, right? You're supposed to go uphill first and then downhill second. But um, yeah, that obviously uh, obviously kind of set, set the world on fire there for a little bit. So you knew you were retiring when the season was over. Did you know when the season began that it was it, this is your last year, or was it something that happened during 2020? No, I knew, I knew, listen, I mean, I considered this probably two, three years ago. I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Going into the 2017 season, um, you know, we had come off a couple tough years with the Saints. And listen, I, I started to take that personal, honestly. I was like, you know what, if, if I can't bring us back to the playoffs, then maybe I'm not the right guy for the job. Maybe I need to get out of here. Now, there's a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of other circumstances. But I went into that 17 season saying, man, if things don't change, then maybe it's time for me to step away. Maybe it's time for everybody to, to, to make a change. Um, 
But I, I think a lot of things fell into place that year with our draft, with free agency, with various things. And man, we, we made a run at it, right? That was the, the Minneapolis miracle, right? We should have been playing in the NFC championship game against the uh, Eagles and who knows what happens, right? We were rolling. So um, I think at that, at, at that moment, I, I told myself, listen, I'm truly going to take this one year at a time. Um, and I'm just going to pour everything I can into it. And I'm also going to sit, I'm also going to take the extra time that maybe I haven't in the past to just enjoy the little things, like enjoy the locker room a little more, you know, maybe when I would have gone and done something else, I'm going to stay in the locker room, play a ping pong game with some of the guys and like build the camaraderie. I'm going to enjoy the plane rides home a little bit more. I'm going to do all those things that, that maybe are a little, little bit different than what I normally would have done just to soak it all in and just to enjoy it. And I had more fun playing football than I ever had in my career those last couple of years. And then listen, we had a great team. We had a great nucleus. We had great leadership. And that was a huge part of that. But, um, but it was that one year approach. It really was. Um, but I would say going into even the 19 season, it was like, all right, you know, this may be it. And then obviously when I decided to come back in 20, I, I, I knew that was it. Your last four seasons, you had great teams, 49 total regular season wins, but heart-wrenching playoff exits. Which of those four playoff losses would you most like to play again if you could? Well, I mean, listen, you know, take it one by one here. The Minneapolis Miracle, I mean, do we come back from 17 points down to take the lead in Minneapolis, right? We go up 24-23. I think we have that game won, right? Um, the next year, the no call, I mean, we're in the Super Bowl right? Period. We're in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the following year, we didn't play very well against Minnesota. They beat us in overtime. Shame on us. We should have played better. Um, last year, you know, th this one against Tampa, it, of course, do I think we, do I think we, we had a better chance of winning that game? Yes, I do. I think we should have won that game. I thought we matched up against those guys. Well, I think you see that from the previous two games that we played them. Um, but they just played better than us. And obviously they go on and win a Super Bowl. And so you sit there and go, man, that should have been us. But, um, you know, I, I think I, I can't really say which one hurts more. I mean, we certainly had our opportunities in all of them. Right. And, and so regardless of maybe circumstances that were outside of our control or my control or, you know, whatever at times, um, I think you have to say that, hey, it just wasn't it wasn't meant to be. The worst one had to be 18, though, because it was completely out of control. It was a horrible call. And one of the things that, Drew, I'm sure you'll be talking about plenty as a member of the media now, how the NFL still doesn't have a mechanism in place to prevent something like that from happening again. They tried it in 2019. It didn't work with making replay review available to pass interference calls and non-calls. And as of right now, we're where we were in 2018. It can happen to somebody else. Uh, after that last game, on the field with Tom Brady. Give me a, a quick snapshot of what that conversation with him was about. You know what? It was uh, rarely do, do Tom and I get the opportunity to, to, to talk when it's, you know, in a non-competitive situation, you, you, you know? Um, I, I think that's, that's the unique thing about being an NFL quarterback. I think there is a kinship because only NFL quarterbacks know the burden of an NFL quarterback. Um, and the responsibility and, and the fact that we're all competing against each other. I mean, when you really look at it, whether you're in the same division, the same conference or what have you, man, we're all competing against each other. So I think there's always an edge that you have with each other. And yet at the same time, I think Tom and I have developed a relationship over the years, you know, that dates back to college, right? We played against each other in 1999, Purdue versus Michigan, right? And so I think there's a level of, of, of appreciation, respect and admiration 
that we've been able to kind of reach this, this level. And we have a lot of things in common. You know, we've got uh, mentors that, that have been kind of mutual influence on both of us. And, and I think we've, we've kind of had a, a, a window into each other's preparation and that kind of thing. So I think there's definitely a kinship that goes along with that. But, you know, that was, that was a rare opportunity because here we are after a game when we can just kind of relax you know, and be ourselves. And, and we talk about family, talk about, you know, our, our careers a little bit, talk about, you know, a lot of things. Um, but um, I, I, I would consider him a great friend within the sport. Um, and, and we've had the chance to interact, I think, more recently, especially over the last few years, um, just because I think we both recognize just how rare this is. He surprised me recently, Drew, with his reaction to the rule that in many ways revolutionizes the numbers that are available to players. He doesn't like it, doesn't like it one bit. What's the issue? Help us understand it from a quarterback's perspective of having different numbers available to defensive backs and linebackers than have, than have ever been available at the NFL level. Well, I'll give you an example. So I remember we played we played the Pittsburgh Steelers a few years back and Pittsburgh runs a three, four defense, right? So meaning three big defensive tackles, and then you basically have four linebackers and all those, all four of those linebackers, they're, they're kind of shaped the same. They're, they're built big, strong, tough, physical. They can rush the passer, you know, so it's a different body type. Well, Typically, linebackers are given 40s and 50s numbers, right? Well, and then and then if you're playing on the line of scrimmage, you're typically wearing 90s numbers. Well, when you're in a 3-4 defense, all of a sudden there's this hybrid nature to who the pass rushers are, right? And the pass rushers are important to know because that's who your linemen know they're blocking. You want your linemen blocking pass rushers. You want your running backs blocking the, the smaller guys, the linebackers and safeties. Well, all of a sudden, if you just open up the numbers to where you can wear whatever, I mean, it's hard to differentiate sometimes who the pass rushers are <laughs> and who the linebackers are. If you know that all the pass rushers are 90s numbers and you know all the backers are 40s and 50s numbers, and then obviously the DBs are, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, well, that's easier to decipher. It's now hard to decipher, so it makes it harder on the quarterback to identify. It makes it harder on the guys protecting you to decipher. So it just makes it a little harder for the QB position. You know, another reason Tom Brady's name comes up this time of year, he slid to round six back in 2000. He still has a chip on his shoulder about that 21 years later. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence recently explained he's not a guy who is big about having a chip on his shoulder. Where do you fall on that range? How much motivation did you take from criticism and disrespect and the perception that someone isn't viewing your talents the way that they should. So I, I would, I would define it like this, you know, do you play with something to prove? Do you play with something to prove? And, and so that for everyone, that's something different, right? For Tom, it, it's, it's considered that proverbial chip on the shoulder. Right. But, you know, you hear, you hear uh, quotes from legendary players like Joe DiMaggio or Ted Williams or someone like that, that basically said every time they stepped in the stadium, they knew there was 
people in the stadium that had never seen them play before. And so what was going to be that person's takeaway from watching them play that day, right? And that's what motivated, they motivated them. That's what inspired them. That's what gave them, you know, motivation to go play. What do you have to prove today? Well, it's, I have something to prove to that person who's never seen me play, right? And so whatever that is, whatever motivates you, whatever drives you, whatever inspires you. Um, for some people, it's just, man, I've had people believe in me my entire career and I want to prove them right today. Or man, I'm pissed at that writer who wrote that stupid article about me this week. And so I'm going to prove him wrong. Whatever it is that drives you, right? Whoever you're trying to prove, that's your own deal. You know, it's, it's funny when guys are in the crucible, when they're in the moment and you ask them that question, a lot of times they deny that they're motivated by that. But, but it's refreshing to hear you explain that, yes, it, it, it is a factor because, you know, some days you don't feel like getting out of bed. You need something to get you going. Some days you don't want to stay after practice and throw extra balls. You need something to get you going. It, it humanizes the athlete to know that, that you guys feel that way because I think that's what drives a lot of us on days where we just don't like feeling like, feel like doing what it is that we have to do. You're exactly right. It's so whatever it is, and it applies to every, every aspect of life, every walk of life. Listen, for me, it's, it's now that I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm on to the next phase the next chapter, you know, the great thing about football. And I think this is where guy, a lot of guys struggle when they retire, because I'm beginning to see it and feel it is you have this, you no longer have that same structure that you did with football, right? Football provided structure routine, which we all need. And especially, I think, you know, young athletes, you need that structure. That's what's going to bring out the best in you. Um, and so for me now, it's like, where's that structure? Where's that checklist? You have to provide that for yourself. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing when a high school kid goes off to college. You have that freedom, you have that independence. And at the same time, you can get yourself in trouble <laughs> if you don't lock in and focus on what, what your priorities are, what you need to do and create that structure and schedule for yourself. So um, yes, it's important for everybody, no matter what you're doing. That's excellent insight. And uh, yes, I can remember very clearly, even though it was a long time ago, I remember that transition to college and all of a sudden mom's not there to tell you what to do and when to do it. And uh, it, it can be a dangerous time. Before I let you go, tell folks a little bit more about this Lowe's home team that you are now the GM of. Yeah, so I'm GM of the Lowe's home team 2021. Um, I had a chance to be a part of this in the past. Um, Lowe's has done great work in the community, whether it's uh, renovation projects, you know, rebuilding, home improvement, but also just special projects. Last year, they distributed over a million Christmas trees around holiday season, obviously during a tough time for a lot of people. Just something to bring the smile to their face. We were able to help them with that in New Orleans. That was a great campaign. Um, and there's many more campaigns like that to come. Uh, we've actually drafted Justin Fields and Najee Harris to be part of the home team this year, along with some other current NFL players that you'll hear about soon, but would love your support. If you'd like to hear more about it, go to um, lowes.com slash NFL as we continue to support our communities. That's great stuff. And Drew, I can't tell you how happy I am that you're part of the team. I, I, I don't know and don't care if the feeling is mutual. I'm happy that you're part of the NBC team. And I look forward to working with you. And you got an open invitation. Anytime there's ever anything you want to talk about, we can flip on the camera. We can have a conversation because there's lots of things in the NFL that you can help shed light on and help the fans better understand the game. So congratulations on everything you have going on. And we look forward to talking to you again real soon. All good, Mike. Thank you. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. 
That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.